Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The Dow is down over 300. The NASDAQ is down over 300. I guess yesterday wasn't anything more than an aberration. I guess that we can be pretty clear that the economy is not in a great place. And when Joe Biden tells us everything's, you know, fine and nothing's inevitable. No, our GDP is going to grow faster than China's for the first time in 40 years. Now, does that mean we don't have problems? We do. We have problems that the rest of the world has, but less consequential than the rest of the world has them because of our internal growth and strength. Our internal growth? We're looking at recession for 2023. We're looking at gas prices that this summer will definitely hit over $5 a gallon. Do I hear six? $97 to fill up my car. And if you're like, well, Tony, you drive an H3, what else? What did you expect? No, 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 no. That would be about how quickly you go through gas, although mine's a five-cylinder, not the eight-cylinder. Producer Ari spent 80-something because that's what it takes right now. Me, I'm fortunate. I work from home. I'm not driving everywhere. What happens to the people who have to fill up every two days? What happens to the truckers out there who are filling up to the tune of $1,000 plus each and every tank? And what kind of help can we expect from the administration on this subject? The answer is none. And when it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing when it's over will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less relying on fossil fuels when this is over. Did you catch that? We're going through a transition where we will be less reliant on fossil fuels. Joe Biden has no plans of easing things. Joe Biden only has a plan of this. Seeing a value in increased gas prices because it'll push us to green this, that, and the other. Meanwhile, the green this, that, and the other doesn't work. Now, if you're saying to me that he did it on purpose, the whole reason we have high gas prices is because Biden did it on purpose. That's not it. That's not it. That is the wrong take, and I need people to stop it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going on? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. To my truckers, I want to hear from you. And, and But first, let me explain why this is not Biden's plan. Because Biden ain't smart enough for that plan. Biden didn't have it in him to raise gas prices. Biden had it in him to engage all the other things that progressives want because certainly they don't mind higher energy prices. But as long as they've got this inflation thing going on, supply chain issues going on, yeah, it's good. He didn't arrange for all that. His policies, of course, led to it. But to think that he plotted it out, well, here's how I'm going to raise gas prices. Guys, that's way too Machiavellian and way too smart for Joe Biden. Stop saying those words. What you can argue is 
every policy that the political left has gets you to this place. We all know it. We're not surprised that we're here. But the idea that Joe Biden went into office saying, well, I'm going to raise gas prices, that never, ever happened. He went into office saying a hundred other things that get talked about as valuable policy from the political left, but of course bring us nothing but pain and heartache. And now he's letting you know that that pain and heartache, uh, that, that, that's an opportunity. Tell me what the difference is between this. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing when it's over will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. What's the difference between that and this? You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Two ignorant men engaged in two conversations of ignorance and hate and diseased thought. We are not better off with higher gas prices. We are not going to have solar and wind in our lifetime. Get over it. Get over it, lefties. You're just wrong. You'll always be wrong. You have no science. You have no data. All you have is a masturbatory fantasy and fear. This is who you are. It's not my fault for noticing. It's kind of my job. I can get that you're angry at me for noticing, but I don't care. You support a ridiculous old man who doesn't know any better, and you support a low-life commie. And I'll let you decide which guy is which. Now the question is, what do my truckers think? 833-GOT-TONY. I want to hear from you. 833-468-8669. Biden is looking at releasing diesel fuel reserves. uh, Saying that there are outages uh, in, in the Northeast. So he's going to release a million barrels of diesel in the Northeast home heating oil reserve. Full disclosure, I didn't even know there was a a northeast heating oil reserve. I would have assumed that there were reserves, but I didn't know it had a name. By the way, he's not releasing all of them. He's releasing some of the one million barrels. Does that help? First, talk to me. What is it taking to fill up your your truck? 833-468-8669. I want to know a couple things. Are you somebody who's doing the long haul stuff, right? You're 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 driving from uh, Indy to uh, Albuquerque. You're you're going from Cincinnati uh, to Fargo. You know you you're coming through Indy. Where are you going? How long are you going? What is it taking? Uh, how about somebody who's doing uh, just uh, basic deliveries? You know, uh, you're the kind where you're home every night, but you're doing uh, truck deliveries uh, for, for product, for supply, wh- whatever the case may be. What are you paying? What is it costing you? What are you seeing? What, what are your companies telling you? How does this affect your pocketbook? I want to know, 833-468-8669. Because you need to know that Joe Biden is fine with all of this. He does not care what you spend. He does not care how it affects your family because for him and those with the same ideological fantasy, they're getting to where they want to be.
Now, if you say to me, you see, Tony, they did plan this. Arguable that as a collective group of violent, angry, vicious, nasty people, cultists that they are, oh, I'm sorry. If you were looking for sweet talk, uh, that's got to be on another station. They have always had this desire. It goes back to Barack Obama that uh, energy rates would necessarily skyrocket. You remember the words? He said it. This was before uh, he was elected president. That energy rates would necessarily skyrocket. This has, of course, always been the desire. I simply want to disabuse anyone over this idea that this was done by Joe Biden in some kind of grand plan. That's not the truth. That's not the case. Just so we're clear, I'm going to hear from truckers coming up in just a moment. What is it costing you? When Joe Biden doesn't give a damn about gas prices, I want to hear from you, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So what are these gas prices doing to the trucking industry? Anybody who's dealing with diesel? Never mind uh, the rest of us. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Jeff is a lumberjack in Brown County. Spending an extra, that's Indiana, $100 to $250 per week in just delivery costs. Costs Raised the prices from $60 to $75 a load since January. A lot of people spending a lot more money. So I'm asking my truckers, what is it costing them? Joe, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, welcome to the show, Joe. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Uh, what kind of what kind of truck? And what is your route? What are you spending? I drive over the road from Indianapolis to Chicago and back every day. And the last time I filled up my truck, it was just a tick under $2,000. And I do that three times a week. And... Um, I own several dump trucks that are costing me about fifteen hundred to two thousand a week in, in fuel. It's just it's gotten to where you, I almost can't afford it. The fuel surcharges that they're paying us are are not worth it. I so, spent almost fifteen thousand dollars last week on fuel alone. So, uh, so the, the the people that you work with, the right that you contract with, you're like, hey, fuel costs are going up. We're going to need more to cover uh, the cost of fuel, but they don't necessarily pay that. They tell you, hey, it's your contract. You got to figure it out. Correct, it, it, and because I'm an independent contractor, you know, fuel fuel surcharges have been in the mix for a while, and it's sort of a scam. But um, they're just not competing with the. They're not going up at the same rate that the the fuel costs are. You know, there's so many nuances to the supply chain issues. You have no idea, Tony. I just blew a tire on the trailer that's not mine. That comes out of my pocket. Even if I was a company driver with what I haul, that would come out of the driver's pocket. There are so many things you have no idea that go on with truck drivers that cause this. 
Well, I'm trying to learn, man. I am. Uh, Joe, I appreciate uh, the call. Just got a text from Armando, who runs a company in Indianapolis called Hoosier Security. I mean, they do they do the security at, at my house, the, the sweet-ass camera system that I have. So it's, it's a lot of service calls, right? Installation calls. So we're talking about uh, trucks that are more fuel-efficient, for sure, uh, doubled. Double from two thousand to four thousand dollars a month. The same runs, the same uh, uh, calls. Let me let me go uh, to uh, Josh. Josh, welcome to the show. Uh, what what kind of truck are, are are you driving? Where are you driving to? And and what are these fuel costs? How are you experiencing these? Well, I mean, I am an over, owner operator. I'm currently in Arizona. Um, we'll just kind of put it in perspective that the fuel costs right now have increased my just fuel alone will be $52,000 this year. That's how much it's increased. Wait, 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 wait. wait. So, well, hold on. Wait. Hold on. Take, take a step back with me. Work it through with me. Did you say 52000 Okay. For the year, yes. That's, okay. That's just the increase because fuel, fuel has doubled. More so doubled. you're spending $104,000 a year, you think on fuel, if 52000 is the increase and it's doubled, I did the math all by myself, took off my shoes, but it still seemed to work out. You're talking about over, you're paying six figures for gas every year? No, no, no. So last year, fuel was about, what, two, 220, we'll say an average. Right. And now it's, it's, almost, it's over five. Now it's like five. Okay, so now you're now like you're that. paying the double. All right, I want to make sure. So now you're paying the double. You were paying twenty six. Now you're paying fifty two. That twenty six thousand that comes out of your end of year. That comes out of your pocket, or is there anything with yeah, uh, the people weekly. you work with? No, it comes out weekly. Um, we have a lot of companies. You will use uh, brokers that or representatives, I should say. That uh, like we we use Pilot and Flying J's. It's a, a chain truck stop, and we'll get somewhat of a discount because that's the only place we'll fuel. But it's not nearly not nearly enough. Um, so we go. I go through a tank of fuel about a day and a half, and it's well over a thousand dollars every day and a half. And you're the one, you, the owner-operator, you're the one eating that individual cost, that extra 26 k a year. Yes. Well, actually, it, no, it is an extra 52. Uh, we pay him 52000 more this year than I did last year. That extra 52. Okay. That extra 52000 yes. I. Yes. I, I may not understand the math, but I understand 52000 Josh, I appreciate uh, the call. Let me go uh, to Mitch. Mitch, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, where are you? What, what are you trucking? Uh, what, what kind of route do you do? And what are you spending extra in the fuel costs each and every month? I've been local for the last eight years, Tony, running around Indianapolis and surrounding states. I'm home every day. Drive a Freightliner day cab. And last year, year before that, I'd fill up. Every other day, it'd run around 200 and a quarter to fill up. Now it's running me anywhere between five and five and a quarter each time I fill up, three times a week. So you're looking at $1,500 a week just in fuel to do local deliveries around Indianapolis. So you're, but you're plus 900. Right, it would have cost you something anyway. It would have been the two twenty-five, so that's six hundred, six fifty, six seventy-five. So it's costing you an extra nine hundred dollars in this economy each and every week. But the question, Mitch, is 
Who's paying the 900? Is your company paying it? Does it come out of what they pay you? Is are, are they just eating that cost? Is that how it works? Nope. I'm a company driver, and our company just raised our rates 25%. Oh, so you've passed it on, right? The company has yeah. passed it on to the people that you're dealing with. What company wouldn't pass it on, Tony? So this was, but this was actually, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, man. I'm there. But this was the conversation about Target, and the reason that the Target stock price fell the other day uh, that 25% people are upset with Target is that they have been eating some of the losses because they don't want to raise the prices because they're in a battle with Walmart and they don't want to lose the customer to Walmart. But there comes a moment, and you and I agree on this, and you just said it, there comes a moment where you can't eat that cost anymore. The cost has to get passed on. So that's already happening with what you guys are doing. Yeah, and 25%. Uh, increase in the cost we've got eight day drivers running around indy plus our over the road drivers 25 percent doesn't even come close to what we're paying out extra in fuel so they raise I them 25 percent, and it still doesn't cover everything because they're they're absorbing some of it mitch man i appreciate uh the the, the call i mean different guys in, in, in different fields by the way did did josh say he was from arizona he said he was in Arizona right now. Oh, well, well, good on us. Good on us with the uh, with with the Arizona contingent. We we sh- we should be doing some shows out there probably this winter, producer Ari. Oh I, well, if you insist. I, you know what? I insist that you stay in Indy while I go to Arizona. That's and do that's, some, that's what I assume was going to happen. Yeah, do some shows. Um, dear Lord. I mean, you want to hear where the numbers are? That's where they are, guys. Well, that's that's a random sample, and you guys know we've got truckers listening all uh, clearly all across the country. That's just a random sample of what it is they're dealing with, and I got to assume that if I were to d- take another poll, like how much now are you scrutinized uh, regarding routes and miles traveled and 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 idling. In terms of wasting gas, how much are their travel logs now scrutinized? Well, you could have saved, you know, four miles here, so we'll just take that off you. Oh, that's not going to come? I, I'm i willing to bet you cash money that that is going to come. Cash money. It's not a good, not a good sign right here. I appreciate you guys. More to get to. Uh, TonyCats.com for all of your Tony Katz needs. And there are many of them. This is Tony Katz today. Staying in Indianapolis. Well, that's not what we were expecting, now is it? Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today it's good to be with you. Chris Gall joins us now from Visit Indy. The the news that is out uh, today, the NFL Combine was put out for bid 
And here is Indianapolis getting it through 2024. Chris, this is the first time we've seen a, a bid for the Combine. It's Indy that made this thing the marquee event that it is. Take me through the history and take me through the process of keeping this thing in Indianapolis. Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. Yeah, you're right. For 35 years, Indianapolis has cultivated this event, hosted this event, grown the event. As the city has grown, the Combine has grown. And for the first time ever, they put it out to bid, much like they would for an NFL Super Bowl, an NFL draft, or an NFL Pro Bowl. And major cities put their name in the hat. And for the last six months, we've been viciously defending the right to own and, and operate and host this event in Indianapolis. And today at the owners' meeting in Atlanta, uh, unanimously they said Indy for 23 and 24. And so it's a big win. We were a little uncertain if we'd get just one year, and, and they doubled down. They said we have confidence in Indianapolis to keep the event safe and sound. So there's a, there's a level of pride and relief uh, from today's news um, from the NFL owners' meeting. Talk to me about who we were up against because there had been conversation that they want to move this uh, to a Los Angeles or to a New York where they've got more media and they could bring more attention to it. So who were the cities that were really up uh, for this thing? And what does it take now to be bidding on something that you never had to spend money on? And is it still worth it to the city of Indianapolis? Yeah, great questions and points. Uh, we believe uh, Los Angeles and Dallas were, were two of the front runners along with Indianapolis as they debated where the combine should land for the next few years. We know that uh, most major cities with an NFL franchise expressed interest in December that they wanted to host this, that they wanted to bid. Uh, we were one of those cities first in line. And so as it got whittled, whittled down, it was really L.A., Dallas, and Indianapolis. And, um, you know, those are big franchises, big cities. Um, at the end of the day, though, when you have 35 years of, of a proven track record and a lot of the national media on your side through tweets and posts and, and affection, uh, that, that, that tipped them over, we believe. Um, now, when you look at dollars and cents, five years ago, Tony, the, the combine was about $7 million in economic activity over the duration of the event. And this last year, that rose to uh, $9.6 million in economic activity. Uh, it's It's a strong ROI when you look at the nuts and bolts of heads and beds and, and the facilities being used and the restaurants bustling. And then we had a record-setting 1,200 media credentials from across the United States and even globally here for four or five days talking about the city and the event. So there's a lot of tangential benefits. Um, in addition to having the NFL brass here each and every February, and you know that helps position Indy not only for the combine but maybe for a future Super Bowl again or even the draft. Well, we want to see uh, those kinds of things. A draft here would be a lot of fun. A Super Bowl back at Indy, of course, would be fantastic. Talking to Chris Gall of Visit Indy. Can you give me a number? What did it cost to get this thing? So we're, we're pretty sensitive in terms of competition sensitive to, to get this. I'll tell you that it's in, in line with uh, events of similar size. Um, a healthy six figures in terms of what we had to raise as a community to put forth. Uh, to, to make sure that we kept the event here and growing. And those were dollars that were raised outside of, of uh, public dollars. These are dollars that are uh, privately raised by local companies and corporations that care about tourism, that care about the event. Um, would not be possible without the Ursa family and their commitment outside of the bid, uh, just in, in totality, uh, providing advocacy at the, the ownership level and uh, making sure that from a franchise and ownership perspective that, that all the owners there who made the decision – 
understand why Indy. Um, to that end, Tony, one of the legacy projects that we announced today will be a continuation of kicking the stigma, which the Earth Day family has put into place. It's mental health and the importance of keeping an eye on that. And so in 2023, next time we host the Combine, there'll be a legacy project to benefit Indy residents who need to understand mental health and the importance of it. Uh, the research shows four out of 10 adults in the U.S. are struggling with mental health. And so we want to help them. And that, that'll be a part of the, the, the legacy project of, in, in, and program keeping the Combine here in Indianapolis next year. Talking to Chris Gall of Visit Indy, and I said on on the morning show earlier today, yeah, I talk about my my own uh, issues, my my own depression, my own uh, dealing uh, with with suicidal tendencies, and happy to help in in any way. I may not agree uh, with a lot of the politics of the NFL very often, but on this, I agree, and I like to take the moments where we can work together uh, to be helpful. And so I, I I put myself out there to help in any way I possibly can. Um, the the argument that Indianapolis makes for hosting the combine when it was all said and done, what was it about the Indy offer that got the yes from the owners? Because what we hear about the owners is, yeah, yeah, kid, that sounds great. How much is in it for me? Right. In the yeah. end, the NFL wants to get paid. I don't necessarily blame them, but it's, it's, it's very, very cut and dry. And the owners really control so much uh, of this league. So what does Indy offer that Los Angeles and Dallas could not offer to a combine? Yeah, it's a great question. And first, thanks. We'll take you up on, on helping with this kicking the stigma campaign Two, Sure. Um, we, we focused on one city, one roof, one fan. This is the idea that when you, when you meet in Indianapolis, all the hotel rooms connect into the climate controlled skywalks into the Indiana convention center, where the media center is, where the bench press is, where medical evaluation takes place. Same roof. You're connected to Lucas oil stadium for on field. We're centrally located on the map. Getting here is easy. Once you get here, it's 15 minutes from the airport. And then these prospects, these 400 student athletes arrive, and they stay in hotels that are climate-controlled skywalk connected to the stadium. IU Health is a two-mile trek up the, up the street, if you will, and you don't need expensive shuttles. You don't need to waste a lot of extra time. You can hit your TV marks in Indianapolis. So we really focused on one roof, one city, one fan, growing the fan-facing element of this and making sure that it's, it's efficient, efficiently run over a four-day period in Indianapolis. And ultimately, the other cities we are competing with are spread out. You'd have players and scouts and media and owners staying across many hotels, uh, many miles, many shuttles, and a lot of wasted time. The efficiency here in Indianapolis is real, and that's really our calling card. Uh, it, it wasn't about how much money we brought to the table. It's how much opportunity the NFL has to grow the fan-facing part of this and getting more people inside the stadium and more eyeballs tuned into their sponsors on TV. And that was our, uh, that was our case. Chris Gall, Visit Indy. I appreciate you taking the time uh, being with us. Thrilled that the Combine uh, is staying and reach out anytime. Happy uh, to help. Chris Gall, thank you. There is other news. Uh, we talked about it, about how there could be a lot of investment coming to Kokomo. We're talking about Stellantis, and they have made the decision. They said they were going to open two battery plants in North America. The first one in March, they announced, was Windsor, Ontario. The second one is Kokomo. They're going to invest $2.5 billion 
into Kokomo. 1,400 new jobs, and that could earn its way up, build its way up to $3.1 billion in investment. Battery modules for a range of vehicles in their Stellantis North American assembly plants. Absolutely huge. And on this, Governor Holcomb gets to take himself a a, a victory lap. To, To the extent that he was involved in it, he's the governor while it happens. See, Indiana, this is where you want to grow it. Huge. Oh, I... He can crow about it all he wants. I love it. It's huge. He's wrong on House Bill 1041, which I will get into. Don't you worry. He's wrong about a series of things where he's just too silent, too quiet, too afraid, and too egomaniacal. On this, good job. Absolutely fantastic that this is happening. Huge for Kokomo. Because 1,400 new jobs is not just 1,400 new jobs. And one would have to assume we're talking about jobs... uh, on, on the ground, as opposed to things that would be uh, um, uh, telecommuting. 1,400 jobs, if you want to say an average family of four people, doesn't that mean near 6,000 people? Doesn't that mean homes? Doesn't that mean apartments? Doesn't that mean places to eat? Doesn't that mean entertainment opportunities? Huge opportunity. Now, Kokomo, I'm sure, is aware, and just like, you know, we've seen other cities that based itself on one large company, and and when the company goes belly up, so goes a city. But I don't think they they view themselves uh, that way. They recognize it's just part uh, of a larger puzzle. And in every case, this is just fantastic. Absolutely, positively fantastic. This is big for for Indiana. We should be thrilled about this. Should be absolutely excited uh, uh, about this. Start uh, in 2025, 1,400 new jobs. And thank goodness, because we lost Hyundai. We lost Intel. It was starting to be ugly. This is nice. Congratulations to everyone involved. Absolutely thrilled to see it is Solantis and Samsung making this investment for a lithium-ion battery production plant right in Kokomo. Fantastic. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So Jen Psaki is going to work for MSNBC, but we already knew that. Everybody knew that Jen Psaki was going. Even when she was like, oh, I can't talk about those things. She was lying. Well, of course she was. She did lie about it, by the way. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's going to be, is it going to be just a streaming show? She's going to appear on NBC's various channels and platforms as part of its politics coverage this fall and will eventually host a new original program on MSNBC. I can't wait to create a space on streaming where we break down the facts, get to the bottom of what's driving the issues, and hopefully have some fun along the way. That's... That's, um... (sighs) What are you, you going to do? What, what, what are you going to do? Does anybody think she's going to be any good? 
I mean, you're a press secretary. You can think on your feet. I'm not going to say no to that. But I, I'm asking, not being able to make this determination myself, does anybody see her as entertaining? Yes. No. Probably not. Kind of. Let me know. Let me know on Twitter at uh, Tony Katz. In the meantime, speaking about uh, cable news, uh, Greta Van Susteren getting the gig at, at Newsmax. I think that that's big, and they're gonna. We're seeing a a change there in their in their lineup in their evening lineup. We'll see how that goes. The question is, will we see a change in the CNN lineup? Because Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper's a low life. And I say this uh, from a very personal level for how I was treated by him. I feel the same way about Willie Geist. Unnecessary nastiness. Unnecessary. There's one thing to disagree. It's another thing to make a claim that's wholly untrue, which is how I believe they treated me. On a very personal level, here's the story about Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, according to sources, staffers saying that he was diagnosed with COVID earlier this month. Received a positive test at the Washington Bureau on Monday, May 9th, just ahead of his 4 p.m. show, which is called The Lead with Jake Tapper. And instead of heading home, he taped the show. The next day, Dana Bash filled in. The day after that, he was streaming from a home studio. As one of the staffers said it, this happened in the same week that the country was mourning the millionth death due to COVID, which Jake covered on his show. Now, I am unworried about COVID, so I would be like, I, I, I'm, I don't feel too affected. But I would say that if I was diagnosed, if I had the test and it said that I had COVID, the only answer is go home. If we go back to the beginning of how I started working from home, and now I'll never go back. It started because I was at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, and got back one person, one, 2,000 plus people, one person had COVID, one. And uh, I was told, hey, why don't you just, you know, broadcast from home? for a week two and a half years later I have been in the studio seven times and two of them were just in the last month I mean that's how it happened and you know what I said when they said why do you broadcast from home I said are you sure it was only one person like yeah safe than sorry and I said yeah sure I, I first said, wait, we're really doing this? Like, yeah, let's do it. We don't know. It's safe. Fine. Makes total sense. No problem. I can live with that. You're, you're reporting on this stuff hour after hour after hour about how terrible everybody else is. Your whole network lives in fear. You get COVID and you so disrespect. You have so much hate for your staff, so much disregard for your staff. You don't leave. Man, that's messed up. So the question before us is, does Jake get fired? Should he get fired? 
suspended. You see, I don't know where I am on this one. Because I would argue to the rational mind that, you know what, you get suspended. But I don't want to be rational. I want to do this the way these people do it. I'd fire Jake Tapper publicly, call his mom a skank, and then sell off his office furniture. Nope, it has COVID. Set it on fire and watch it burn while we chant around it, singing to the gods of the cable news, and then roast marshmallows. This would be my plan. Call his mom a skank. What the hell? Well. (laughs) What? (laughs) As long as we get to roast marshmallows, I don't care how it works. These people would come for blood, so let's come for blood. Jake Tapper has to get fired. Otherwise, it's everyone at CNN knows, first they cancel CNN Plus and fire all those people. Now, you, you can work with COVID and get kill, you know, th- almost kill people. Put them in a position to kill others, and, uh, and CNN doesn't care. <laughs> Great network. It's not my fault. They're the ones who have done it. I'm Tony Katz.